It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. Today is your December 1st, 2017 edition. We've been off, I guess, for a few weeks, probably Thanksgiving, some other things came up. Um, tonight, we are having the, uh, the creative minds behind the Raxon Universal Dominion series. And we're gonna we're gonna deep, you know dive deep into what they're doing now and and find out a little bit about how they got started. So uh, I want to welcome uh, Damone Amerson and Thomas Johnson to the show. Now Thomas, is it Thomas Johnson the third? Second. Second. Okay. All right. Are you working on the third? <laughs> <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to check. Just wanted to check. Welcome, guys. Thanks for coming in tonight. Oh, thank you for having us on. Oh, definitely and, a and pleasure both, to be here. Oh, yeah. Now, both of you, aren't both of you in, in um, Detroit right now? Um, um, I'm in Detroit. He's in Detroit. I'm in Roseville. We're just a, oh. just a, a few miles apart. Okay. So. Well, I mean, that's kind of cool because, you know, a lot of the collaborations, you know, like if I've ever talked to two at once or, you know, people who have mentioned that they have a team, you know, with with the advent of the Internet, with the advent of so many tools, it's not very often that I'll run into, you know, co-creators or team members who are necessarily within geographical, you know, geographical distance. You know, they're close. Yeah. So this is kind of cool that you two are, are both where you are and you can, you know, you actually can, can, can hang together if you want to. Um, for those of you who are looking for their work, let me just pop this out for you. I'll put it in the chat room, but you can look them up, uh, look up their work at R-A-X-O-N Dominion, no space or anything, dot com, and uh, check out the home website there, and I'm going to dump it into the chat room for those of you who show up live. Um, and so... Anyway, first of all, how long have you guys been doing this together? Uh, let's is it, see. Is it going on like three years now? Almost. Yeah, it's yeah, it's been about uh, yeah, almost almost three years going on. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Cool. Yeah, and and then one of you, I don't care which one, but I mean, what was kind of like your origin story? You know, we don't want a DC rewrite or a Marvel rewrite or anything, but really, how did you all get together and decide to do what you're doing? Well, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you oh, get yeah. a director who doesn't want to have to stick with canon, who doesn't who doesn't care that Superman's not supposed to be killing folks, and then they go, well, let's just let's just start over. But for you guys, <laughs> I mean, how how did you guys like meet and and get started? Either of you can start talking and then switch off what what have you. Well, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you. Uh, I did most of the talking last time, so <laughs> I'll let you uh, go through that. Well, 
Well, with me, Thomas, um, <laughs> it started a long time ago. Actually, I started uh, Rexon back in the 90s. And, you know, it was evolving over time. Mm-hmm. And uh, then when I, I had met Damone um, a couple years back through his, uh, what is it? his I believe his uncle, and uh, we had worked together, and he was always telling me about him. And uh, then I, I finally got off my butt and, met, and hooked up with Damone. And, you know, he actually was interested in a project, you know, and just was like, you know, saying, because originally I was just hiring him as a commissioner. And right. he was like, uh, you know, he was he was uh, enthused in the project and everything. And I said, you know, when I saw his work, and I said, okay, this guy likes the, likes the story, likes everything about it. I said, this guy would be a good partner. So when I extended that olive branch to him, you know, saying, let's be 50-50 partners, would you be down for it? And he was like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So yeah. we started working on the project, and it started evolving even further, you know, uh-huh. from just uh, what I kind of – what I kind of had in mind was just basic, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you, you, there's not a story out there that hasn't been written. Sure. But the most thing you except can do mine. is just, uh, no, 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 except, except mine. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, come on. Black folks on the backside of the moon while white folks don't know. Shoot. Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> and, you know, so, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So, so, you know, it was kind of like, you know, I, what one thing I said I didn't want to have in the story was, you know, you always have your, your typical alien sci-fi shows with mechs and everything where right. there's aliens here for our resources or our women or something like that. I said, you know, that was never the case <laughs> in this. I said, you know, right. they're not trying to look like us or anything like that. They don't care for our cultures. They're not trying to intertwine or be, you know, you never see uh, them as bounty hunters with us and, you know, wearing our clothes or anything like that. So they're completely right. alien from us. You know, uh-huh. and you know, they're here not for any of those reasons. You know, they're here for something totally different. They're here because we gave amnesty to a race that they were after. Oh, so okay. Well, wait, we got involved you go in on. that war. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in the 90s, was this strictly print only? Because, you know, that's, that would have been way early in the digital age, you know? Uh, when you say print only, what do you mean? Like comic book. Or, or you know, uh, 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 I forget what they call graphic novel, or what medium were you working in at that time? You know, when, when, I, when you when you started. When I originally started it, it yeah. was pretty much just in the form of a source book. Okay. Which was right. um because I didn't have I, I wasn't doing any comics or anything. I just had basically a book with the drawings stats on them and a file on okay. just, you know, like a whole plethora of uh, just the aliens, uh, the human ships, uh, mechs, everything like that. And I had this one book that was actually broken up into, I think it was 12 chapters. Uh-huh. And, you know, it was like drawings and, and, and information in each one, you know, to where one chapter was just strictly aliens. The other one was just showing like the progression over the years because it was over generations several generations sure. that the whole story was taking place. And it yeah. was originally in black and white because I hadn't colored everything, you know. And so it was just uh, evolving from there. And then it was right. like, it hit me. I was like, I have no human. I talk, I reference to humans, but I have no pictures of any because I couldn't draw people that good. I could draw the mech ships and everything like that. But I said, I'm talking about these characters and I don't have them in here. So 
the book started getting bigger and bigger as I started trying to add in people, you know, drawing mm-hmm. as best as I could, you know, um, busts of characters, you know, and just showing, giving a reference and everything. So th- that made the book thicker and the book wound up getting pretty thick to where I said, uh, this got to change. So like when I met Damone, it was like, it was like, thank God, because when I met with him, he was giving me so many ideas that I said, okay, I split the book up, you know, and just make it source books. And he was the one that gave me him and a friend named Tyrone Jackson. They gave me the kick in the butts and said, you know, go ahead and do the comics. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. You know, cause I was thinking of, I had put together a little comic and it was just going to go in a source book as just a, you know, just a little something extra in there. And Mo was the one that said, well, why don't you just make it a comic book? And I was like, well, I hadn't thought about it. He was like, it's good enough to be a book on its own. And I said, right. well, how about a part two to it? Because it was just only 11 pages. They said, yeah, do that. And that was actually like the first comic. And he actually was, he actually knocked out a comic for me, was working on my first comic, which wasn't even book, which wasn't even, which was actually a comic that was further down the line. But when he did it, it was, when he was working on it, I'm like, man, I, I was so tempted to make it the first book. <laughs> yeah, and I drew that book twice, too, because yeah. I changed, I kind of changed the art style, so, um, which I think was a better, a better decision for that book. <laughs> right. And, and so you actually, I mean, did two run-throughs before you kind of settled on a style? Um... Well, originally we wanted to. Originally, uh, Thomas told me he wanted to do more like a manga style, which I love okay. manga. But uh-huh. ultimately, we just settled on a more, I want to say, an in between Western and manga style. So, I mean, it just became more important just to make it look good and just have fun with it. You know, not necessarily box ourselves into a specific, you know, <laughs> a specific mm-hmm. style. So. And, and not to mention some of the other artists we have, you know, have a various different styles. So that kind of gave us a little bit of freedom in that area. So, Well, it, yeah, I mean, especially in the boxing in part. I mean, if you have more than one creative mind working on something, obviously you, <clears throat> excuse me, you have, you have opened up the opportunity for um, a different styles, even different storylines and things like that, because not everybody thinks identically. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 I'm thinking, you know, just from looking at the um, the the, the co- covers, you know, you have actually different styles in, in the covers in terms of the style of artwork, yeah, and yet true. it's all in the and, and yet it's all in the same universe, which I think is pretty cool. You know, you've got, uh, uh, you know, I'm looking at them right now, and, and I like the the one that I like the best is the one with the black background with the single head on it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, the, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. As I mean, I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I love that style, man. But then, you know, you, you look down the line, and, and if you didn't have the same header at the top of each one of these covers, people couldn't think that these were from different universes, which that's just cool to tell to me because it shows that, you, that you've got reach and that you have, you're able to, to transcend a single style. You know, some people think that's good. Some think people think that's bad. You know, a lot of people read things, um, you know, read series because they see something familiar. 
they're looking right. for familiar. Like they're looking for familiar um, characters. Like my series are, are just books. I don't have any pictures at all, but they know that the same characters will be showing up. Um, but but this here, I think I think you guys are brilliant because I think this gives you more longevity. Is that what you're you were looking toward in in breaking up your styles like that? Well, well, we have different artists like me, Thomas, and a few other artists we have. So, of course, yeah, that's kind of like one of those things that naturally want our the artists to draw what looks good. You know, if if we try to box them in and say, okay, it has to look specifically like this style, then it, it can limit the artist. But one thing too is the story is so expansive that it's like, you know, <laughs> it will be it will be kind of probably work against us to try to, you know, put more limitations on ourselves in that way. So Right. But uh but uh but one thing we do do is like when it comes to you know keeping things familiar or similar, if we put like if I'm doing a book that's you know, a story arc that's a couple books long, I'll do all okay. of those books. So that way the art will be consistent for that entire story arc, you know. Yeah. And uh, no, that one thing. Yeah. Well, one of the things too about our story too is our story is not. It's not really a character story. Like you have different types of ways of telling stories, right? Like you have mm-hmm. character stories like Spider-Man, which is about Peter Parker and his journey as that hero, and then you have stories like Lord of the Rings, which is not about one specific character. There is important characters, but it's not necessarily about Frodo or Gandalf. It's about all of them together and what's going on in Middle Earth, right? You know, yeah. the, the the Lord of the Rings. So our story is more like the Lord of the Rings in the sense that we have all these characters, but ultimately the story we're telling is about, you know, this overarching thing that's happening in, you know, in between the humans and these other alien races. So... So, as yeah. well as the humans. <laughs> right, right. Well, so. your creative universe is very broad, and, and that also gives you flexibility because you don't paint yourself into a corner. Um, like, mm-hmm. okay, like the TV show that Halle Berry was in. What, what was that called? X, Extent? X- oh, the, the movies? I know she was in the no, X. No, no, no. No, she was in, no, she was in a, a TV show that went for either one or two seasons, because and then... They they painted themselves in a corner, and had no place to go. I th- in TV terms, they call that jumping the shark. But, but I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean. And so yeah, that can't happen with you guys because you already planned ahead from the very from the very start. Right. You know, and you that's another have, thing too. Well, I was, was going to say that's a, that's a good point because our story too is we kind of got it mapped out as far as where we want to go with the story. Uh-huh. Like the comics we have is just a small part of the story. Like, we haven't even got started on, you know, where this where this is all going to lead. So all the characters you're reading about, all the events that's taking place in these comics, you know, it's leading to future things or things that's that's coming. So, um, so yeah, so there's, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. I would almost say that the, tw- the, 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 the comics we have now, which is 11, we still got one more, which is Nick that we're trying to finish up. Yeah, to me, actually, I almost see those it was actually like comic a, book 11. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it is comic book 11. Last man standing is 12, but I almost see that as almost like an intro to, to this story into this universe, because 
we don't like wait. And one thing too is we don't wait like a hundred issues to give you the good stuff. Like we <laughs> we give you the the the, the nitty gritty of the story. It's like we just <laughs> you know straight up just throw it at you. But uh, but what's cool is you know because there's so much going on. It's like it doesn't stop there. There's there's you know more that we expand on as far as characters and you'll see these characters have kids. You'll see technology for like our mechs, which we call expanders, grow and develop. You know, you'll see new develop a new uh, expander technology being developed. So it's almost a story that kind of c- continues on. And that's because like I said, we only we only just got started. Like we haven't even got to, you know, future things that's going to happen or that's taking place between uh you know, like the the humans or the humans in our story are Earth and this conflict between these alien races. So well, it's a long I, stretch deal coming. But yeah, yeah. I, I could talk. I could talk in depth about the story forever, but because I really, really, there is just it's, it gets really exciting because there's so much that that happens. But one thing I can't say is not confusing. And you know, like I said, we don't like we don't like. We don't do the loss where we get you to keep watching episodes until we get <laughs> that doesn't really lead up to anything. It's like we give you the, the the meat of the story that you need to know right then and there. But uh, but because the universe is so broad and and that you planned ahead, the cool thing is is when you right now you know so early on drill down into you know great action or you know a subplot that really really you know, that's, that's really, I don't know, I don't know what descriptive action, but it's really important or it's very revealing about something in your universe because you have such an expansive universe, it's not a spoiler. Right, you know, it's exactly. Not like, oh, right. Man, they've been playing with that forever. You know, they, they put that in there and now they can't get away from it. Well, no, you, all, you already from the beginning plan, you know, it to be as big as it is. And so let me ask mm-hmm. you this, Mom. You know, what what was it when you saw, you know, what Thomas had put together back in the 90s and what he'd been refining and refining and refining? What what was the big draw for you when you saw that, you know? That's you know what I mean? That's, a, that's, that's hard, to, hard to answer. Because it's <laughs> like I'm already, I already love Mecca and stuff like that. So that I was already like, okay, let's go for it. But when he started telling me more about, the direction you want to take the story as far as um, what the rack sign is and even what that's going to lead up to. I just got more and more interested. Like one of the things that called me was like, I never heard a uh, story like that before. It's like, I've seen a lot of sci-fi shows. I've seen a lot of mecha anime and stuff like that. So, uh, and, and most people that I've talked to at conventions and, you know, other artists who have stories, Usually they fall in one or two. They they fall in usually a few categories where it's like either they're telling a similar story to something you already heard, you know. Instead of Spider Man, it's Tarantula Dude, and it's like okay, that's, <laughs> it's, it's not bad, but it's like okay, it's not, it's not. Or or it's something like it's a gimmick type comic where it's like, yeah, the guy's a superhero, but he also works at the grocery store, and it's like so he's kind of like. In between, he has to hide his identity, but at the same time, be good at his job. And it's like that could be cool and funny and all of that, but it's like 
that's that sort of gimmicky type. But with this story, it was almost like the stuff that I loved growing up, like, you know, watching Robotech or Exo Squad or, you know, any of the number of different stories. It's like that same sort of excitement and just depth to the story. I'm like, wow, that's original. And it, it gave me that same type of feel, like that's something that's really, really cool. That hasn't been done before. It's not necessarily copying anything. And it's like, that's a good, you know, that's a good story. That's something that I want to help develop and take that, you know, take that further. So so that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what drew, drew me in, you know. So, no, I mean, because I hear a lot of comic book pitches a lot, you know. And, and, and I'm like, no, I said, none of them are necessarily bad. You know, I never say it's bad because there's stuff that I like that's really, really, <laughs> you know, really out there. But it's like you really, you rarely see someone who's like they got a comic story where it's like it's something that you really, really haven't seen or you haven't seen a lot of, and that makes you go, hmm, that's that's different. Like, like it's not only good, but it's also it's like that's different, you know. So there are there are so many overlooked needs. I mean, look at how many people are are doing you know vampire stories or are right. doing um, zombie or stories. Zombie, yeah, and, yeah, and. And, and you know, they're, I mean, obviously, and oh, and fan fiction. You know, you've got a lot of fan fiction. Oh, yeah, a lot of fans. Who, yeah. who lack, and I, I don't say this really badly, but they lack their own imagination. So yeah. they, they, they do glom onto copying things that they've already seen. Right. Um, and, and, and you guys are right. It is difficult to put something together that is, that is totally original. And, and let's be honest, we do borrow needs from other places because it makes our storytelling easier. I mean, right. let's say we had, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, alien mechs that, or, or even earth mechs that were so different that you had to spend half of your time in exposition describing how different they are. Instead right. of saying, you know, well, no, I mean, I, it, it, it's good and it's bad. It's like a double-edged sword. You know, you, right. first of all, you want to be different. You want to be different. You want people to go, this is kind of refreshing. I don't see this in every other comic book. But then on the other hand, you don't want it to be so foreign that, you know, dumbass, excuse me, that people who are, <laughs> are, are lazy readers or lazy consumers go, oh, man, this is just too hard for me to think about or, or I don't feel like doing that reading, or, or you know, what, you know, whatever excuse they have, it's hard to get readers these days. Let's be honest. You know, readers yeah. are falling by the wayside. Um, and and one of the things that we all have to do as content creators is to be able to showcase our content so that we get repeat viewers, we get repeat customers. Right. So it, it's it's hard. You don't want to. You know, I'm I am willing to bet all the money that I hid offshore that you guys have great <laughs> ideas, but you, you say to yourself, well, we don't want to get too far out because we might lose them. Has that ever come up? Um, if, if it did, but you know the way it came up, I think with us was, 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 was just, I think it came up with us with just different things, you know, where I might've been thinking about, because I know me and Damone had this conversation recently on, like, my mind is like, okay, I'm getting older. I want to get a lot of stuff done. And he's like, okay, but you got to think rational and you got to pace ourselves. 
you know, right. and look at the reality of the situation. It's like, okay, yeah, you might want to do all of that, but we got to factor in time, cost, and technology, right. you know, because we got to, it takes time to do all of this stuff. You got to have the right technology because you don't want to keep going back and forth and spending money on stuff that right. you may not have needed. And now you done forked out all this money and it's like, okay, this isn't something that we should have even bought. Now I got some stuff I don't need and try to get rid of it. <laughs> right, <laughs> and I can't right. even use it. And yeah. it all it does is delay what we could have just took a little bit of time for and just really mapped out and saying, okay, this is the direction we want to go. So let's put a game plan together and then work on that exclusively and right. then give it the time and, and effort that it needs and grow it the right way so that we don't have to come back and fix any mistakes on it, you know, of just rushing well, through it and just being like, it's a good idea. Yeah, let's do that, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and at, the, at the bottom line is it is a business, you know, That's and, and yeah. sometimes, sometimes it's, it, I think for a lot of creatives in the beginning, the hardest hurdle to, to jump is making sure that your efforts are going to bring you the return that you need. You know, yeah. a lot of creatives think that they should, that whatever they do, there's a return that they deserve. And that's not always the case. That's that's the tough climb. But you have to pay your bills. You have to stay in a house. You have to, you know, all of these things that, that are business decisions that have to be made are, are at the bottom line of all your creativity because you don't yeah, necessarily man. get money just for being creative. You, right. you, you make your money by other people liking your work and purchasing mm-hmm. your work. So, so it, you know, it, it, it's kind of, it, it's sobering sometimes because you think, oh, man, we could do this. Or, or like, like you said, Thomas, you know, you talk about getting older, kind of thinking about, oh, I'd like to do some other things. I'd like to cash out. I'd like to be, I would like to uh, make 200% of what it costs me to live from my art so that, you know, I don't have to work a day job or I don't have to think about creating a new universe or anything like that. And then, and then I, I see what you're saying, Thomas, where you want to, uh, you know, you definitely want to think in terms of what is this going to do for me and what is it going to bring me in the future? And then, Damone, you, you know, you yeah, sound well, the younger and, and you're thinking, okay, well, this has legs, this has potential. And, and what we're doing, how we're exploiting our creativity is making money. So you also yeah. don't want to spoil that either. So well, it, I, mean, it, not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting any younger either. <laughs> you know, I'm already like, I just turned 34, like what, two months ago. So there were some realizations in that moment. So I know that seems young to a lot, a lot of people. They're always like, yeah, you're still young, but it's like, just yesterday I was just 20. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, I woke up the next day and I'm 34 already. I'm like, wow. So it's not like I'm getting younger, but but at the same that's time, it's like, go ahead. Yeah, at the same time, when it comes to to like creative projects or creative things, like you know, like what we're doing, what right. I found is it's always the 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 tortoise and the hare. You know, it can seem like yeah, let's you know just throw all this stuff at the wall and see what sticks and just go straight ahead. But at the same time, most of the artists that I follow, they always got their success by doing the tortoise, you know, just 
the long roll, it doesn't always seem, you don't always see it. You're always like, man, it's never going to get as big as I want or be as successful <laughs> as I want or make as much money as I want. But it's, it, but at the same time, it's like, it's a slow grind, you know. <laughs> it's like, it's time to build up that fan base to get get your stuff popular, get your stuff out there, you know. And most of the time, it's not really your fault. It's just, you know, you, you might run a Kickstarter, and then after the Kickstarter end, you get 100 people saying, well, if I would have known about the Kickstarter, I would have, you know, I didn't even know about it. <laughs> like, and you have that problem where it's like, well, obviously I need to get myself out there more so that way I can reach more people. But what I found is, though, is it's, it's that that slow grind of just really putting in the work, you know, putting in the time and slowly building yourself up that always pays off in the end. Like every successful artist that I follow who did the same thing where they just started off, you know, in their basement or their one their one bedroom apartment just drawing sketches or whatever, who are now, you know, successful, they started off, you know, they didn't they didn't they didn't start off with a lot. They started off really, really small. And it's just over time of just mostly just putting their stuff out there, they just slowly built that up to the point to where they can run a Kickstarter and, and it'll automatically be successful because they have that that fan base that they built up, up over so many years that it's like, you know, and I see it all the time. Like every, like I said, every artist that I follow, you know, and I listen to their advice and see what they did. And there's artists that I follow who were, you know, not really that popular or not really that that big. And nowadays yeah. I look at them and I'm like, wow, like they just, <laughs> like after all those years and all they did was just, like I said, they did, they just slowly but surely built themselves up, you know. Well, the, the universal challenge for any, and we're all entrepreneurs, especially especially when we start, but the universal challenge is have having, having our work rise above the background noise. Because right. There's so many people today because the tools make it much, much easier. The, 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 the bar to entry is much, much lower. So, you know, when you talk about looking at these other artists and also looking at the way you guys started, because when you think about, you know, Thomas starting in the 90s, um, the thing is, is perseverance. And, and if you persevere, you know, the, the longer you're around, the more people who will see you unless you do something incredibly, incredibly stupid. You know, you, you know. Right. So, so the perseverance is a huge part, and that's sometimes the hardest part for some people to, you know, they, they block their own way to success. You know what I mean? Because right. they give up really early. And, right. and that's the thing. You know, if you're going to have faith in yourself, then you have, that faith has to transcend time. You know what I mean? It, you know, it right. can't, go ahead. And I was going to say, there's one important thing that I always tell artists like that I meet or who will be like, well, how do I get my book out there? How do I do what you're doing? And I always say hard work. Like like uh, going back to when we met, you know, when I met Thomas and he was telling me about, you know, Raxon, one thing that struck me too is, because I've met people before who were like, yeah, I'm working on this story or whatever, was Thomas, he didn't just like talk like, yeah, I got this idea for a story. He put in the work, you know, like right. when he said, hey, I, I have already know what, you know, what expanders or whatever is going to, you know, be in this part of the story or what this one's going to do. 
and I say, well, you know, what does expanders look like? He didn't just hand me a drawing. He had me a whole damn book, like, boom. <laughs> like, boom. <laughs> like, bam. <laughs> and I was like, what in the world? <laughs> I'm like, what in the world? I can honestly say that's the first time that someone's like, here, boom, boom. It did worse. He's like, oh, that's not even all of them. So he showed me his photo bucket account, and I'm just scrolling through. The computer is struggling to, to load all these damn images. And I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> but, but that's one thing that I always tell, like, you have to put in the work. Like, you can't just, I mean, because we've all been there where we, you know, spend that time, like, yeah, I got this good idea for a story. But at some uh-huh. point, you gotta you got to sit down, you got to <clears throat> put in the work to put it on paper, to draw it out, to do whatever, to get it, you know, to start that process to get it out there. And I see that, too, with a lot of artists where they don't really put in the work sometimes. Like, they'll have the idea, or sometimes they'll have the passion, but they just can't just, and I'm like, you got to do that. You have to get over that step. It's hard, but once you start doing it, and you do more drawings or do more writing, it's like a snowball. It just, it kind of just starts to flow after a while. But, uh, but yeah, that was one thing, too, about Thomas. Like, and that's, that's the advice that I give everybody. Like, when people say, how did you get started with doing conventions? And I'm like, I just went to a convention. I did my first convention. I had, like, three drawings that I was selling. It was pretty It was pretty terrible. I had, like, three drawings total. And, you know, I made, like, I think I made 15 bucks that whole three days. But uh, but the experience and meeting people and talking, it was like I did another convention. And I had more, more art. And I did another one. I had more art. And it just kind of just over the years, I just, you know, now I know, I know what to do or how to how to do conventions. You know the same well, thing plus, with comics and art and yeah, everything. It's like plus, you have to learning from other people is also part of the job too. You know yeah. you don't always want to reinvent the wheel every damn time you have a new idea. Yeah, that's you know, right. You know you want to you want to peek around and 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 peek what other people are doing who have who are doing something similar. Because you can learn. There are people out there who are stubborn, who go, man, I'm going to do this on my own. I don't need anybody else. Ain't nobody smart as me. I'm not, I'm not doing anything. And, and a lot of those yeah, people, some of those. you know, never, always, never, you don't see them again. Yeah, we're always right. telling people, like, if you want to do something big on your, by yourself, it's going to take you forever. Like, like, if you wanted to build a house, yes, it's possible for one person to build a, a huge house. Of course, it's going to take that one person a long time. Oh, yeah. So it's like if oh, yeah. you don't want to turn this, this idea into your lifelong project, you know, to where you it'll be written on your, your gravestone, you know, such and such this year to that year, finish such and such project, you know. <laughs> it's like, well, you're going to need help. You're going to need, you know, to start connecting with other people. So Sure. Now, but yeah, but I, but I definitely, go ahead. I definitely get go advice ahead. from – from other artists who I see are doing uh, similar stuff or right. going down a similar path. And believe it or not, there are some artists out there who just can knock out a whole graphic novel in like a year, you know, uh, a couple hundred page graphic novel in a year all by themselves. And it's crazy, but you have those super passionate people who just, <laughs> they live and breathe their, their, uh, you know, their idea. So, 
Well, also, if you do something long enough, you, you tend to understand your own process better and you do get into a groove. Right. You know, that's, and mm-hmm. I, yeah, that's, that's I, important I, too, yeah. The first book I wrote took nine months. The last book I just wrote took four months, you know, which, yeah. is, which is huge. I mean, uh, you know, they weren't the same page count, but still I, I, I am so adjusted and so familiar with my own process it's easier to do it now. And and like you guys have been doing this, you know, people think, oh, three years isn't a long time. But if you think of it hour by hour with you guys working on your stuff, hour by hour, day by day, that is a long-ass time. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm, I'm convinced that you guys have a process and, and you've refined it down to where it's working very effectively for you. Um. The, that's that's a good question to ask. Between the two of you, like if you're in full-on creative mode, okay, uh, how how long does it take average to get one comic from start to maybe sending it to the printer? You know, what do you, what do you think in terms of time you guys are expending together hmm. to do that, and and with the rest of your team? That's hmm. that's well. I could say, well, I'll say this. I've knocked out a, I've knocked out comics in that, that 12 comic book arc because I had uh-huh. so many stories already in my head. So it was like a right. lot easier for me, you know, where I would always let Damone know, okay, this is a story I got, this is a story I got. And I would always run it past him first, you know, before I just be like, okay, well, I'm going to crank this story out and we're just going to go roll with this one. It's like I always wanted to be consistent with the, the arc that we're going. So I've had uh-huh. I I would I would storyboard a a comic in less than a month and you know show it to him when we would meet up and let him do the reading and be like if he looks like he's not liking this I'm going to be going back to the drawing board <laughs> and you know see what he says and it's like if he likes it I'm like okay let me get started on the next one and uh-huh. then it's like uh, the next process we, I send it off to the you know our commissioners that we may have, our artists. Um, to have them go ahead and find out, do, you know, do the comic, and we'll talk about which which artists we might want to have working on it because that was like a similar thing, like we were saying earlier, not to change subject. How we saw about uh, having multiple artists because the mm-hmm. another reason of having multiple artists because we got like my goal last year was to have twelve comics all done by uh, the end of the year. Got seven. Yeah, we had. We had so, how many? Was it seven? Was it but seven? The thing yeah, was, seven. That's right is that if I would have tried to lock one artist into trying to do that many comics, you know, it would have been because a lot of these artists that a lot of commissioners that we have, you know, they work on multiple projects. So to have this person trying to lock in and just, just do my stuff only, it would have, I wouldn't have had nowhere near that many comics last year. I might've had maybe two to three and, you know, because they have a life as well, you know, so it's like, I had, that's why we have, like I said, the different the different uh, art where it looks a little different, some here and there. And I like that because, like, you know, it's, like I said, it's, it's the diversity of it and showing different art styles. And I like to give mm-hmm. them that creativity because it's like I might do a storyboard of, of, a, of a comic. And they would ask me and saying, OK, well, can I put put the person at this angle, you know, to give it a little bit more this and that? And I'm like, absolutely. I like to give them that creative freedom. Because also it helps with the price sometimes, you know. Uh, 
and, uh, you know, give them a little bit of, uh, you know, give them that creativeness so that they could, because they, their name it goes into the comics as well. So sure. they, if they're going to be putting their name on something, they want to have it to where, you know, well, I don't want to put my name, I don't want to have my name in this book and it looks like crap, you know, because you were, you just don't want it to look good and I'm trying to help you out. So I just, I, I always say I, I, I kneel, I bow to the masters of it. So, you know, when people are saying I, I can make this look good, I give them a shot. Now we might have little differences here and there. I'm like, eh, that kind of just doesn't fit what I'm trying to tell right there. Change it. Uh-huh. Can you change a little bit? And usually we get that good dialogue, you know, as long as we got good communication. So that's the, that's the thing that I find is uh, paramount with our, with our comics, you know, is in that process, you know, it's like that becomes the longest process is just getting the, the artist uh, to knock out the book. And that primarily comes from the cash part. You know, it's like with some right. we got the faster you pay, the faster they can knock it out. So if I can, if I can come up with the money in one month, they'll be done in a month. But, you know, that it can get expensive pretty quick. And, you know, when you when you're trying to uh, pace yourself. It's like okay, so yeah, I just said yeah, re- reasonable we goals. We got lucky and got some pretty good commissioners. And yeah, so they're pretty, and, they're really solid. So and just you know, but pacing that, ourselves for what we're trying to get done. Right. It sounds like you don't have a hard and fast rule, and you don't you don't automatically set hard deadlines. Um, but I guess we can look overall that over the last three years, you did get 11 done, and it sounds like you're on the verge of, like, knocking out the 12 very, very soon. Would that be yeah. accurate? Yeah. It's actually, actually, it's book 11, it's comic book 11, because we actually got book 12 finished, but book 11 is actually halfway done, and I just got to, I just got to finish it. Just, uh, it's already been uh, written and everything like that. It's just a commissioner that I have working on it. I just got to get her paid mm-hmm. <laughs> so she can go ahead and finish it and we can just send it on off the print and we'll have it. Yeah. So that, yeah, and, that and, goal, I plan to have finished. I plan to have that comic finished by February at the latest. Yeah. By the end of February. And, and as we look at this as a business, um, is, is the business aspect of doing what you guys are doing difficult for you guys, or have you, have you kind of gotten into that kind of a groove? You know, you, you know what the expectations are, you know what the realistic um, possibilities are, and, and you feel very, you know, pre, let's just say pretty confident that you've got a good hand on how to do the business part of getting this done. I think well, together... We we have a good handling on it, yeah. Because uh-huh. where where I may not know certain things, Damone no, knows them, and vice versa. Where right, he may not know certain things that I may know of. Like like I deal with a lot of contracts, so mm-hmm. I write contracts, you know, and everything like that. As far as I've had businesses before, little small businesses, and uh, you know, and when he chimes in and saying uh. We should have our own uh, commissioner uh, forms and everything. I was like, okay, got that. You know, different little things right. that I might not have thought about that we should be doing. He was chiming in saying we should, and things that I wasn't thinking about. He was saying we should be doing that, and and you know, little things that I might have been saying. Well, we let's add this in there as well. So it's like we kind of we got it down to a science. The only things is is that we just have to 
perfect minor things, you know, that we've been doing. Because the funny thing is, we have so much fun when we when we when we do the conventions, we lose. <laughs> we are just like horrible. We, yeah. we we be like everything is for sale on this table. So we at the end of the day, we just walking away with all this money. We like how many books did we sell? I don't know how many did we have to start. You know what? I don't know, but we sure got a lot less than when we started. So you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we, and we'd be looking like, well, we covered this. We 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 dang sure made our uh, table money back and some, so we in the green. So, <laughs> but I mean, come you on, know. that's that's not a bad thing. I mean, think about that. You guys are in a serious business. You're actually producing something that people want, and you can still have fun. I mean, think about that. Yeah, that's that's the main thing. thing. Yeah, that's, that's like that's a dream for content creators. I mean, I would that's- love. To, to not have to go fix stupid ass people's computers, you know, get torn <laughs> off of, get torn off of computers before somebody has to turn it back into IT and stuff. Man, I would give my left, you know what, to be able to quit that and just write. So I mean, it, you know, you, what you guys have managed to do is, you know, maybe you're not making a hundred percent of your revenue from from your your creative work, but You've managed to find a groove where not only do you work effectively together, but you, it sounds like you're still having fun, and mm-hmm. and that that that's 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 even worth money because you know what? If you're making enough money to cover your nut, you know, at a convention, and and you know the box that you have to bring home is a lot lighter than the box you brought there, that, exactly. that's not a bad day. That's yeah. not a bad mm-hmm. day at all. Yeah, I mean, because one thing we said we wanted. What? Um, go ahead. <laughs> oh, uh, we've been having so much fun. I said the one thing that I said I wanted to make sure that we always do is have fun with this project because I said if we're not having fun, then something's wrong. You know, because it for me, it's not about, you know, the money so much because it's like, yeah, if we hit it big, oh, we'd be happy. You know, don't get me wrong. I'll be I would right, be right. joyous, you know, but it, it it turns into more of, you know, the journey and, uh, you know, getting it out there, you know, being able to say I, I was able to do this, you know, and that people enjoyed it. Will it make me rich? Don't know. A part of me is like, I don't care, you know, if it does or not. You know, it, it becomes a thing of, you know, it's it's a fun project. It's something I always wanted to do. And I never thought in a million years, truthfully, that I would have even gotten this far because it's been in my head so long. and I've been just slow pacing over so many years. And, you know, like they say, you might be working hard, but you're not working smart. You know, right. been doing that for years until, you know, meet the right person, you know, and partner up with them, and, you know, as business wise. And they're giving you the ideas and, you know, you're feeding off of each other and saying, you know, this is actually a good way of growing this. And I never would have thought of it because I never would have. I always imagined having a tangible ship in my hand of one of our stuff. But I never, I always dreamed of it, but I never thought I'd actually have one. Never thought I would. You know, even when the 3D printers came out, I was always talking about getting an Ultimaker 2. I am horrible with computers. So (laughs) I would have been probably paying somebody to make that dream come true and spending even more money to where it'd be like, you know what? Okay, this has to stop now because there's no return here and I don't know how to get there. So I can just say I'm happy. That I made that that I I did take my time with everything because had I rushed Rackshine out years back the way it was, you know it wouldn't have went 
good because I did a Kickstarter for one of the source books uh, a few years ago and actually stopped uh-huh. the Kickstarter because it was like, you know what, I'm asking for too much. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody knows none of this stuff that I'm putting out here. I said, I have to, I had to pull this thing back. And I said, and the amount of money I was asking for was a ridiculous amount. It was basically just to cover the source book from a company, you know, because some of these companies, when they say they're going to print your stuff, they got to print in big orders, like 250 books. And right. I'm like, I said, and it was going to cost me basically, by the time this thing would have got some books, would have got to my house, it was going to cost me like 10 G's. So I said, wow. I said, there's no way. I can sit up and ask for that amount when nobody knows who the heck I am, what this story is about. And my Kickstarter was okay, but I was getting a lot of people inboxing me saying, you know, you you might want to do a little bit better of a Kickstarter video to describe this if you're asking for that kind of money. So sure. I said, let me just let me listen to what's being said out there, you know, and I had to get that thick skin because, you know, it can be it can be a kind of it can make you feel a little you know down and everything when people are saying things negative but what i learned is to get a thick skin and just don't look at it as always a negative but how can i turn that negative into a positive and just look at what they're saying now you got there were some people who was just saying stuff to just discourage me altogether you know who was just like you know yeah i wouldn't even waste my time with that kind of story and this and that i said well where's yours you know <laughs> your stuff you're talking about the same crap that i just saw on tv that was on a sci-fi original movie. You know, we know how those are. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know. Well, that's, why, that's, why we, that's why we had to invent the word haters. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but fun, though, it, that's, that's, that's so important when you're working on a project like this, like, or any project or any creative project, you know, because that, that was the whole, for me, that was the whole motivation. It's like, if I want to just work myself to death, I can just, I can, there's plenty of employers out there who's willing to work me to death, you know, so, but it's like, if I'm going to be investing in something that I'm doing that I like, you know, might as well have fun doing it. That should be, that should be the ultimate, you know, bottom line. It's like, okay, do we want to do this, this, and this, but is it fun? Are we going to enjoy that? Or are we, or are we just doing it because it seemed like the right thing to do or, this YouTube video said that we should do it. It's like, right. it has to be fun. It has to be, you know, that, that's the ultimate, the, the, the ultimate bottom line or motivation. So, and it's like, I, I've known lots of people who worked pretty damn good jobs and made, you know, a ton of cash and they hated their job and they hated their life. <laughs> I, I've had people come to me at conventions like, man, I wish I was doing what you was doing. Like I make good money on my job, but man, I wish I was doing what you was doing. <laughs> And when well, you that, that's what I was it, saying. Like, you might not be having a good convention, but when, when people come up to you and say stuff like that, you start looking around and you look at your art and you realize, like, I guess it's not it's not really as bad as, you know, I thought. Like, maybe I'm not where I want to be yet, but, you know. And even when I'm sometimes when I'm up at night, you know, working on uh, either my personal art or working on Raxon or whatever, you know, there there be those days where you'd be working at, at night trying to catch a deadline or whatever. And I always remind myself, like, well, I could be working a job scrubbing toilets right now. <laughs> like, I, instead of sitting at my drawing board, I could be somewhere scrubbing the toilet. So when I start thinking, I'm like, losing a little bit of sleep this week or this day is not that bad. When you when you think about it like that, it's like it's not not that bad. So, but yeah, it's gotta be it's gotta stay fun. Like you gotta. 
you got to enjoy it, you know. Even if it's something that you really, really want to work on, like a book or, you know, art or music, if you're not enjoying it, you know, sometimes you do have to stop and step back and say, okay, maybe I'm just, you know, looking at I'm so deep into this that it's got to a point to where it's, it's just a routine and it's not fun anymore. And sometimes you might have to step back and just reevaluate or take a breath, you know, because that can happen too where you're working too hard on your own stuff. <laughs> so, Well, you, you definitely have to have balance. And, and like, you know, any, anybody, any creative, especially creatives who live in, you know, places where, like, it gets cold and snow, you know, like, like us. I'm in Chicago. You guys are up in, in, uh, in the Detroit area. You know, there, there are days when, you know, it's cold as hell, but the sun is out, and you've got to get outside and walk around because it does help you clear your mind and regain some perspective. You can't just be stuck in your own head all the time. It, it just doesn't work. Yeah, so, that's, that's, you know, it's funny that you mention that because I was thinking about when it comes to coming up with original ideas or good ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always hear this a lot from other artists, like who who who've already you know went from the bottom up doing their own thing. But uh, but you have to you know live life. Like no matter how hard you work in or if you're working on your own project, you can't forget to just you know, live life, go outside, do whatever, have relationships, hang out, do, you know, just do normal. Because most of your inspiration as an artist comes from the world around you. It comes from life. So if you're constantly, if you put yourself in a bubble, it's almost like starving your creativity as an artist. And and sometimes you might not even realize it, you know, (laughs) because you're so focused that uh, some artists, sometimes artists, we forget that that is where our, our creativity and originality comes from. Because one thing you can say is that no one else has lived your life but you, you know, all the things you've seen or experienced, you know, and that sometimes becomes, is reflected in your stories, you know, and in your your art, in your writing, your music, or whatever whatever creative thing that you're doing. So um, that's one thing I, I, I always try to keep in mind. It's like you've got to, you know, in addition to doing your creative thing, you gotta, you know, take a breath to, to, to do normal stuff, and, you know. So you know, I always, you know, in in that vein, I always wonder what the hell was going through Howard Hughes's head. <laughs> no, I'm serious, man. How do you get to the point where you're you're in a room? You know, peeing in jars, and you're not wearing clothes, and you haven't had a shower. I mean, you know, and, and seriously, man, that that sort of thing kind of makes me want to, you know, it makes me get off my ass, put some clothes on, go outside, walk oh, around, yeah. go to the store, whatever, because, you know, and, and the other one was, didn't Jeffrey Dahmer know that eating people wasn't a good thing to do? You know, how, how, did your, how did your mind get in such a state that only your mind, you know, is, is what? You know, how many people do you have to eat before you go, you know, I don't think I'm quite right. Something is not right here. I mean, let's go look in the freezer. Look at all, look at all these. You know, I've never been to someone else's house with a whole head full, a freezer full of heads. So, you know, and, yeah, and but but what... <laughs> what you say, a lot of people do. You know, they they do starve themselves of certain stimuli and and certain things in in the name of trying to 
move their their art or their business forward, and sometimes it's just counterproductive. So I mean, yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, it's Nobody funny, wants... but uh, yeah, I was thinking of uh, I was thinking of uh, I was thinking of a couple things. I just forgot one of my train of thought, but I do remember the story. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but I think it was a uh, Miyazaki, uh, the famous animator who does those. Right. Uh, those uh, Japanese, uh, like those really beautiful Japanese animated movies and stuff. But mm-hmm. I think I remember there was a story where someone was trying to animate, you know, because he has a studio, obviously, with animators. And they were trying to animate one of the scenes where, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen a movie called, uh, what was it, Spirited Away? But no, it was I a haven't. scene where, uh, okay, it was like this dragon, and it was flopping around or whatever, hurt. And she was trying to put medicine in the in the mouth of the dragon, trying to give it medicine. And she okay. was trying to lift, you know, realistically animate this. And Miyazaki, you know, he was trying to describe to the animator like how to do it to make it look real and give it life and give the character the weight. And so he tried to describe like this time he had to feed his dog medicine, <laughs> and his dog didn't want to take the medicine, so he had to, you know, he went through the description of how he did it. And the animator was sitting there looking to him like he was talking another language. And so he looked at him. He's like, you never, like, had a pet before? Like, you never tried to? And they were like, no. And he was like, what do you guys do all day? And they are like, all we do is animate. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was trying to tell them, like, no, you have to go out and do stuff. You have to look, you know, look at the world around you. Look at the way trees blow in the wind and look at, you know, like, if you're going to be an animator, and he was trying to describe basically that's why he got that's why he is such a an amazing animator because he's done all these things in his life that you know and it he knows what stuff looks like when it's in motion because he lives you know he draws upon upon experience he's had in his life and it's funny but he was talking about the newer animators all they do is spend their time animating which is cool but it's like they don't really they can't put the life into their animations because they they spend all their time <laughs> animating. So he was trying to, and I thought that was an interesting story because I'm like, it's interesting that those animators, who are probably good animators, it's like they couldn't really, you know, bring the same life into their to work that he does because, you know, simple little stuff like that, you know, like he was, like I said, he he took the inspiration from that animated part, from just trying to that one instance in his life where he had to try to feed his dog medicine. <laughs> And it's funny, but when you look at the scene, it does look so realistic. And just hearing that story, I'm like, there's no way in a million years I would have thought to animate it like that. It's like, you, nobody ever would. Like, you have to, only a mind like his would have, you know, took that experience and translated it in that way. So, but yeah. So well, I mean, a lot of people are that creative, and they do, you know, I think the best creatives are the ones, first of all, they, they are always learning. You know, they're always a work in progress. And second of all, they do pay attention to what goes on around them. Yeah. You know, for me, the hardest Aww. thing at first was to write dialogue, but then I started listening to how other people talk to each other. And Aww. even though that's not exactly the way you write dialogue in a book, because it is different. It's an artificial language in a book. Because like, like the three of us, you know, we talk over each other, but we still hear each other. Right. But if you try to write that in a story, people people would be lost and they'd they'd be throwing your crap away, you know. So uh-huh. you know, there the, the the essence of trying to produce 
something that that has the, the the patina of reality so that people don't have to suspend disbelief is hugely important. I mean, if you let's say you, you do a story and then all of a sudden in the story, you know, you you haven't discussed magic at all, and then somebody all of a sudden turns their car into uh, you know, a pumpkin and, and they go to the ball or whatever. <laughs> people people are gonna go, What the you know, what what are you talking about here? All right. All right. So, so yeah, I mean, I can, I can see how, I mean, even you guys, even though you're talking mechs, I'm sure that they have to behave in, in a consistent way when, when people are dealing with people. We know what the memes are for, for co- communication, conversation, and personality. And, and I, you know, I can see exactly what he said. You know, what do you guys do? Well, we just, we just do this. We use these tools. We're trying to do this. So, so how are you going to make the ripples in that pool of water? Right. And then, you know, they go, oh, I, uh, we'll just make some waves. Well, how are you going to do that? You know, so, yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Now, for you guys, um, you obviously collab- collaborate, but you don't live, you know, that close. You live kind of close. But isn't, isn't a certain amount of your synergy generated by the fact that you're not together all the time? Um. You know, I never really thought about it like that. I guess that, well, that's I'm why they gave me the show. show. You know, I get the show because I get to ask that kind of question. I guess I can say that it is possible to be around someone too much until the point to where you start bumping heads like, okay, I, I need some space. <laughs> so I yeah. can't say that, 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 could, that I've had that experience before with people, so... You know, maybe, so maybe, maybe, I guess, maybe not being, you know, in the same place at the same time all the time is probably, uh, it probably is a good thing. <laughs> probably is it's a, a benefit, thing. not a, I mean, not a, not a detraction. Right. Well, I, I mean, think if we was, we'd be talking about it too much to where we'd talk ourselves to death with it and just be like, you know what, I need a break from it. <laughs> and I think those breaks would get bigger and bigger to where we wind up walking away from the project altogether. <laughs> or we might not even, not even get any work done. Right. I mean, when, we, when we do meet up, we'd be like, okay, yeah, I got, he'd be telling me about this idea that he had, and I'd be like, yeah, and I had this idea for this. And next thing you know, it'd be like five hours in pass, and we'd be like, "Damn, we just like, <laughs> like, damn, we just like, we just started talking." So we probably wouldn't get any work done because we'd be just spilling <laughs> out mm-hmm. ideas, like, you, like you know how when you're, you know, uh, around someone who's on the same page, and y'all just kind of bouncing off each other those ideas. So, uh, but yeah, but I can't say that, you know, um, being around someone you know, too much, you know, especially someone you're working with, it it can't, I guess it can in a way be a negative, you know, because at some point it's like you need that, you know, we're, we're still human, you know, we still need our, our, you know, our space as human beings. So it's like, you can't just uh, get to the point to where you just start irritating each other. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I'd, I'd be ir- easily irritated and be like, okay, I don't want to, I, I don't I even want to talk about it today. I know. You I know. Too. So so I guess that is so, uh, maybe that is yeah, the, positive. The space helps. <laughs> yeah, because I, I mean, mean we're not really out. far. We're not far. Yeah, because we're not far. We can like hang out anytime, like any 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 time really we wanted to. We could just get together and hang out. So uh, that's the but good it's like, thing. you know, I think it's the thing of respecting each other's boundaries. You know, because I know Damone's working, and you know he's working on projects, and I'm not trying to have his whole 
you know, world just immersed into Raxon when I know he's working on other stuff. And just like with me, you know, I got a job and, uh, you know, be doing other stuff. And, I, I, you know, when I'm drawing, you know, I don't always want to just be saying what I'm drawing because I got some people might ask me, hey, can you draw me a mech? Okay, you know, all right, what kind you want, you know. And right. may tell him, may not, or may tell him later on when we hook up, you know, and he might look at me like, man, you should have kept that one. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have. <laughs> oh, man. Now, let me ask you about the, the, um, the your, you've got the 12th one done, you've got your 11th and a half, you're almost done with your 11th. Um, could you describe a little bit what your plans are going to be once your compendium of the first dozen are done? Well, well let's see. We have, because we got a few, we, there's a few other things we still got to get done that right. we were originally trying to launch pretty much in, at the same time as the comic yeah. was the, the source book. Right. Because okay. that's a 260-page book that has, like, characters. That's the main book that has the stats and all of that. Um, of ships, characters, space stations, you know, history of the planets, uh, the divisions that's within it, you know, and the history of basically a timeline of everything that's go- how everything came up to where it is right now. Because and that's source book one, and the, what we're planning on doing, and each source book is going to be 260 pages, and okay. we already agreed that we're going to have what is it? I think five or six source books. Right now we so, got how many planned? Five, five. I think it's going to be it's 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 uh four or five. It's, okay. It's four to, it might be five, five okay, source yeah. books. Because I know so we got uh, a lot of content yeah. that's uh filling up these books because yeah. we're still drawing stuff even now and like we got stuff that's already in dang near all five books. Now they're not the books aren't full. But we got a lot of content that's actually getting built up as we're going sure. along because it's like we're not – it's like when I'm drawing stuff now, I'm I'm actually looking like keep or pass, you know, as I'm just cranking out stuff left and right. You know, when I have time, I'm, sometimes I get into a, mood, a mode where I might crank out about five or six mechs in one week and be like, okay, what do we want to do with these? Well, we put these in some of the source books. All right. Some of these I just hold on and use a scrap, you know, maybe use them or maybe not. But the source book one is something that we want to have. We had uh, some rough drafts of uh, source book one at Mechacon this year. And we had two of them. And those things disappeared off the table so fast it wasn't funny. Yeah, they they (laughs) disappeared pretty quick. So, you know, so the plan for – 2018 is to have that source book there, you know, so that if people say, okay, well, I want to learn more about the story, but I'm not really a comic book person. Okay, well, we had a source book here, you know, and uh, they can read the story and learn it that way, or depending on how we may group some things, bundle some packages, uh, buy these, and then, uh, get the source book, you know, along with a few comic books, you know, so mm-hmm. just little different things to try, you know, just basically get the product out there so that people can see it and try to understand it because it's not just a comics comic book, you know, series that is actually more than that. It's really its own universe that's steadily growing. And it's, it, I, I'd say it's almost kind of like, like you can take star Wars, you know, and let's just say if you're not focused on 
if you go back in the time of Luke Skywalker, and let's just say you're not focused on the Empire, how many other things was going on in that universe? You know, right. so the same thing could be said here where things could be going on that were, okay, yeah, we know about the Empire that's happening over there, but we're over here and we're not dealing with that. But there may be interactions here and there with it. So similar things like that are happening in our story, you know, so that's kind of like how we're, how we have all this source books with all of this material, because it's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that's happening. So we have, we already, we're pacing it out to where um, the goal is, like I said, to have all 12 comic books on the table along with the source book. So that's a total of 13 books right there. Um, About how much do you sell these for? You know, both the comic books and the source book. Just ballpark figure, because I know it could change. Comic books we were selling, uh, the physical copies were five bucks. About five bucks. And uh, the source book, well, we sold that that one. That was just kind of like a a first draft. It's not even a first draft. It was more like a a rough print, you know, just to see it in print. Sure. uh, and, And we were selling those for how much? About 40 bucks? Was it forty? Well, thirty-five. Thirty-five. So it's okay. thirty-five. Started to say thirty-five ninety-nine on it, but it was like, nah, I ain't gonna try to deal with no penny. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that was a fun thing too, because one guy, one guy asked me, he's like, well, how much is this book? And I was, I froze because I was like, I don't know how much that book is gonna go for. I'll, you know, because the main thing is, I don't want to run them away. You know, because you might say a price and they'd be like, oh, okay, well, you know, put the book back down. It's like, dang it, I want this book to be gone. I want you to have this right. book. So I said, right. uh, you tell me. He said, uh, can I give you 35 for it? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you got $35? I'll take it. You know, have a nice day. Anything else on the table you want? <laughs> so, and he wound up buying the book and he wound up buying a few comics as well. So, you know, I was like, okay, cool. You know, because I, I yeah, it was I just, you know, first come, no, Sure, I do have a piece of advice for that in the future. When they say 35, you go, well, normally I wouldn't, but because it's you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't want to sound I, like you're giving it up too easy, you know? Right. Y- yeah, Not that's a, why I always have to try to remind him on the sale when it comes to conventions. Cause now, me, I want to get stuff out there too, but it's like, I kind of got my my yes. method. See, tomorrow's the mean. See, it's like we'd be good cop, bad cop. I'm the good cop because at this convention too, there was this one little girl, and and she was adorable, and she was so intelligent with it. She was like, "Okay, tell me about this story." And I'm looking at this little girl. I'm looking like, "How old are you to be asking me these questions like this?" And she was so infatuated with the story. I'm telling her, I'm like, I feel like I'm talking to a grown person here. I'm like, okay. And so she's like, and she was looking at this one particular poster, and I was like, I should just give it to her. The mom was like, you better not just give that girl no little poster. I'm like, you're just evil, man. You're just evil. The girl comes back. She was up there, and she asked how much is the comic book. And I tell her, and she said, oh, okay, I'll be back. She comes back. She buys three comic books. And I wow. look at the mom, and I'm like, I got to, he was like, yeah, okay, yeah, you can give her that poster. I'm like, yeah, I, I got to like, give her this poster. Sometimes you got to be careful, though. Trust me. Sometimes you got to be careful because some people try to get you to lower your price by sending their kids yep. over. So, yep. 
you know. So because me, I'm not completely mean. Like you know, especially if someone buys something, and like usually on a Sunday, I usually go down maybe a few bucks on my stuff anyway. So I usually don't mind you know giving stuff away or giving something that I don't want to carry back home with, <laughs> you know, to give that. <laughs> but sometimes you do got to be careful, though. Trust me. You gotta be. That's why I was like, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> you know. Well, people but, do but, try but, to work you. I mean, they right. do, you know. Right. And then one thing, too, is I, I'm like, when it comes to prices, too, I'm like, we got to at least break even, like at least make our money. If we don't make a, you know, a profit off the book or whatever, at least we may got to make the cover of printing costs, you know, because we sure. don't just want to. We don't just want to give us give the stuff away, right? Um, and I am. Well, you are still away. running a business. You're right, running exactly. a business right. at the bottom exactly. line. Exactly, and I am the one who came up with the 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 sell the sell anything rule. And yeah. I'm just doing conventions, I was like, I will sell any. I will sell the table, even though I don't even own the table. Where I sell the table, someone. Yeah. I ain't even like I'll sell the tablecloth, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> See, the motives, when he said that, like we had our, uh, our, 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 that thing was not eight feet. It was higher than eight feet. Our, uh, <laughs> it was either nine feet tall Mortar Boy Series 1 at uh, Mechacon. That was next to our table. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, one guy was like, I would love to have that. I was like, well, make the all right offer. It's yours. You can take it home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was like, are you for real? I'm like, yeah. We don't well, want to take that thing back home. We don't have to. <laughs> I had to tell. Uh, it's funny, but I remember that first show we did. I had to tell. Uh, <laughs> I had to tell Thomas like anything you don't want to sell, don't leave on the table. Like if you leave something <laughs> on the table and walk away, and somebody walk up and say, "How much for that?" I'm gonna sell it. <laughs> so, like, yeah, he tried to, to sell my first. <laughs> he tried to get me to sell my first 3D printed ship. And because one guy was asking about it, I was like, oh, "I'm not selling this. This was just you know we got the ones that's over there for sale. This one's mine." <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, well, I want that one. I said, well, make me an offer. And he never came back. And I was like, back in my mind, I was like, thank God, because I, I, I like this ship. <laughs> I don't want to give mine away. <laughs> it's like, you know, this ain't about the money. I, I want this. <laughs> if I ever meet you guys, because I, you know, I, I threatened to come up to Detroit, you know, whenever the ankle bracelet comes off, I'm going to do more travel. <laughs> but if, if, I, if I come by your place and find a whole lot of exit signs and fire extinguishers and stuff like that, I know you all have gone buck wild crazy. <laughs> well, we could sell them. They, we could sell their own fire extinguishers back to them, so we might as well take them home. We'll finally find a place for them. But, I mean, again, it does sound like it does sound like you know. First of all, you got the commerce thing down. You know, you can't sell up something and lose money. And then the right. other thing is, it sounds like you have a good time. I mean, yeah. what more could you ask for? You know, and it's like yeah. when I do conventions and stuff. I always tell people like. Uh, well, like one of the reasons why I do sell everything, and it's that came from I didn't want to be the artist who got a closet full of their own artwork, you know. Right. I, I think I, yeah. I think I, I think I had a, another artist who I follow who had talked about that. Like, there's some artists who don't want to give their work out or sell it, and they just have stacks of artwork, you know, just at their at house, their, house, their own yeah. art. Right, and it's like I didn't want to be that. It's like I want my artwork to be out there in the world. You know, I'd rather someone who really, really likes and enjoys my art to have it. I'd rather it be put in their hands. You know, so it's like, and it's and another thing too. It's like if I took all the time to drag all this stuff to this convention, why wouldn't I want to sell it? It's like, right. it's like why would not? Because I can always buy a new 
tablecloth or something like that. You know, I don't know why somebody would want to buy the tablecloth, but it's like I could re- be rebuy that. You know, and it's like I'm always going to be creating new art. So it's like if I if I don't want to sell something, then I just don't bring it to the convention. You know. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and other, there are people. I mean, let's be honest. There are. There are art groupies, there are comic groupies, there are right. groupies, yep. you know, author groupies, and and to them, you know, if they, you know, like if they get something from you, it's it, it's worth something to them because they have an affinity for what you do and they respect what you do and and they're an actual fan and you know the the root of fan comes from fanatic. Um, yeah. So you know the the one thing you don't want is you know you don't want a stalker. You know, I keep thinking about that movie Misery yeah. with uh, James Caan. <laughs> oh. uh, what's her name? <laughs> yeah, I know what the ones you're talking about. Yeah, don't nobody want a fan like that. You know, no. I like my ankle. <laughs> so, you, and you not know, being it, forced a, to write an ending. <laughs> yeah. You can't just kill her. Uh, yeah, so no. Oh man, I I actually had uh, a, a friend of mine who's also a member of uh, BlackScienceFictionSociety.com. She read my second book and she was pissed. She was so pissed <laughs> that a character died. Oh, and oh, she read me the Riot Act, you know. But I mean, it, wow. it, you know, and, that, and of course that's what's going through my head, you know, uh, to a four by four and a and a and a what was that? A, a sledgehammer. So, you know, you don't want people to get too invested in your stuff, at least not in a crazy way. Um, I, right. got a, I got another another question for you guys that, that's kind of, because you, you really put this together well at the very beginning, which gives it so much life, you know, for practically, I mean, you could, you know, despite what, you know, despite Thomas wanting to, you know, get rich and get out, you still could. Well, I mean, come on. Is, wouldn't it, is that the dream of everybody? You know. Think, okay, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the beautiful story. That the the one story. Um, I'm also I'm also a filmmaker, and I have a, a movie that I want to make. It's a, a comedic bank heist movie. But then I think about the biggest. Uh, like Robert Redford paid eight million dollars for the to for the option on the Horse Whisperer before the book was done. Now, if somebody if somebody comes to you guys and say, "Hey, we would like to take Raxon into the uh, 3D animated world, um, and we'd like to, you know, get an option from you guys so that we could do that," um, first of all, I know I'm, I'm sensing probably that you guys would definitely have some back end um, conditions on anybody yeah. who's going to take your content because you you oh, have definitely. so much invested in it. You know, well, it's like, that's, yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm saying that's a very uh that's a that's that's one of those things where it's like if you're gonna give up the rights to your project, either merchandising or, you know, film or, or whatever, you you gotta realize that you'll probably have to give up creative freedom also. It's 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 like once you you can't just think that oh yeah I'll I'll give I'll give them the movie rights but I'll also help them develop the script. It's like no, once you once they if they buy it there's a chance that you may not get no creative freedom or no rights to what the final product looks like. 
You know, so right. that's one thing right. you have to take in. And so it's like when you make a decision like that, we have to really think, do we really want, you know, someone re-envisioning our stuff in a different medium? Like, if, if you're okay with living with that, it's like, sure. Because I always think back to the horror story, one of the, one of the horror stories of this movie called The Crow. I don't know if you all oh, remember mm-hmm. that movie. Uh, the yeah, they're remaking yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, the artist was actually from Michigan. I believe he was from the Detroit area, too. And he sold the movie rights just for like a, you know, I, I think a couple thousand or something. It was really, really low. And they made that movie. And the sad part is he got no money from it. Not only that, he got no say into what the final product looked like. And even and even though I heard they're trying to reboot it or they plan on doing a, I guess, yeah. a re- reboot of the film, he won't get any money from that either. And he won't get any nope. say what it looks like. And it's funny, but... When I read the comic, because I had a chance to read the, the the comic, and I'm like, this is almost completely, completely different from the movie. <laughs> I'm like, the the comic experience. I'm like, wow, it is. There was so much more depth to that story that never made it to film. Like, right. and, and nobody will ever know that. Like nobody, unless you're a comic book fan. And I'm like, how does he probably feel? You know, just. Every time he looks up at the TV and see a commercial of his stuff, <laughs> you know how does how does he? And it's like, and then there's another artist too, where that was kind of a heartbreaking story. Is uh, one of the famous comic book artists. Uh, I think it was, I want to say it was Jack Kirby, maybe. I'm not sure, but he helped create a lot of the comic book characters you see on screen now, all these superhero movies. But he never got any money or any recognition. Everybody know about Stan Lee. But the artists who actually drew these characters, who worked on these comics, who made them what they were, got no money, no recognition, no nothing. Like, he, he literally died as a nobody. <laughs> like, could you imagine that? Could you imagine literally spending well, literally most of your life creating all these amazing things and you don't even get, like, it's like even, even, even money aside, it's like you don't even get acknowledged. It's like nobody, <laughs> you just die, you just pass away as a nobody and I'm like how how and I and it was like it was so bad to where like even if you were like I was uh, a lot of artists who knew him when they would go see him or whatever and they would have conversations about the stuff that Marvel was doing or whatever with the heroes it would literally make him so depressed he couldn't even draw like for the next couple weeks like just you know talking about these heroes and stuff that he spent his entire life drawing and making them what they were and I'm like I don't want to be that. <laughs> like, it, well, it, I'll, it, tell you, I'll tell you how you can avoid that. There's only one way to avoid that, and too many creatives won't do it because they think it's costing them money. You have to have good representation. Yeah, that's right? true. That's, and, that's very, very and, true. And a whole lot of creatives think, oh, I don't need a lawyer for this. It's just going to cost me money, and, and it does cost them money. It costs them all the money that they missed out on because yep. they didn't have somebody negotiating for them. That's you know, very, or very telling them what's going very... on. Now, if if they turn my my trilogy Dark Side into a mini series, you know, I'm 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 going to demand only one thing, and I'll ask for other things. I'm going to demand a writing credit on every episode, because then I know I'm going to get thirty to fifty thousand bucks per episode. Okay, and and I deserve a writing credit because if I hadn't written it, it wouldn't exist. So that's probably yeah. something that they'll give up. Because yeah, they know I can always say no. 
And then right. I might uh-huh. ask for something else. But I'm going to make damn sure, you know, let's say, let's say they stretch it out for five years, like they did for uh, Breaking Bad or what they're doing with, uh, what is that, The Last Ship. You know, you know you've got like a five-year run. Well, okay, uh-huh. so every single one of those episodes, $50,000, that's a nice nest egg that I can put away. But right. there are some people who think, oh, I don't need an attorney. I don't need an attorney to read all that fine print. I can read it and understand it. Oh, no, you can't. Uh-huh. You know, this right. is why they have law schools. This is, why, this is why these guys make so much money, because they keep people from making mistakes if people look out for themselves by hiring an attorney. And right. so, you know, I feel, I feel bad for creatives who have lost all their stuff. You know, um, the guys who originated uh, walk, The Walking Dead, they are well represented. And so, right. you know, they, they get to keep an eye on the storyline. They make sure that the thing's not bastardized in a way that diminishes their work. Right. But, because but I, I will tell you, the biggest mistake every creative makes is thinking that they're smarter than a studio. Yeah. 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 And so that kind of comes back to you guys. I mean, you know, if, if, if someone wants to take your work, you know, it, video or 3D animation or movie or, or episodic, uh, you know, some sort of episodic adventure, you know, you, you guys, I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys are going to find yourself some decent representation. Oh, yeah. Correct? Yeah. That's yeah. where I fork out a lot of money just to make sure that we have that because I look at a lot of movies, like pretty much dang near every anime that Hollywood has touched has been garbage. You know, yeah. and it's like, yep. <laughs> I could not be, I would never want to be the person who originally started that and looking at those movies and being like, you know, looking at Scarlett Johansson playing Motoko Kuzanaki in Ghost in the Shell. And it's like, no, no, right. Right. no, yeah. you can't, no. And just like <laughs> that, you know, they got, they got more coming out, Battle Angel. And I'm like, I already saw who's playing that character. And I'm like, no, oh my God, no, yeah. this is going to be Battle another Black. flop, you know, yeah. and it's like, and then one of the biggest ones, Akira, Dragon Ball. That was the worst. Yeah, Dragon Ball was the worst. I think there's only one ad- adaptation that I enjoyed. And the funny thing is they changed the name of it. So they didn't, they didn't like completely just – they completely changed the name of it. They changed the characters, obviously, but they kept the meat of the story. Okay. And it was, that was only one that I enjoyed. And I didn't even know it was an adaptation until I looked it up, and I was like, well, no wonder the story is so good. But I like the fact that they changed it, that they didn't was just – it was a uh, – I don't know if you remember that movie with Tom Cruise called uh, – the what was it, The Day After Tomorrow or something like that? Edge, Edge, of, the, oh. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. 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 That was actually a manga adaptation, and I actually thought that was a pretty good, pretty decent concept. You know, the way they did that movie, I was like it, – it's funny. I didn't think it would be that good, but I'm like, that's a pretty interesting concept, you know, for – a story. So I don't know if you guys seen that, but uh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I thought no, that was I, I I enjoyed it, but you know what they did, which was what most Hollywood adaptations don't do, they kept it character driven. Right. You know, the characters moved the story along. It wasn't just these monsters, you know, and what have you, but it was how the people reacted to the situation they were in. Right. And, and and see, that's so many like Go ahead. That's kind of what I liked about the story that it was about that 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 you saw the experience from those characters' point of view. It wasn't just 
like I said, a standard, anybody can do a standard alien, monster, human, battle, story, or whatever. But the way they did it from the character's point of view, you know, and even the concept of how this little creature thing, you know, I guess worked, I thought that was an interesting concept too. So, uh, but yeah, but uh, one one important thing about the fact that they changed it, which surprised me is, Usually the one main reason why Hollywood would want to buy your stuff is not because they want to adapt it. It's because they want the name. That's why if you notice, some movies come out where it will be called like Dragon Ball Evolution, but it's absolutely nothing like <laughs> like the Dragon Ball story. Like in the movie, the, the Dragon Balls are by these wise men or whatever, and Piccolo was from another dimension. It's like, and you're looking at this, you're like, this is nothing like, <laughs> Something like like eighty street fighter, but right, right street. But it's like what people don't realize is they just wanted the name because the name gets more tick, ticket sales, get more butts in the seat. So because sure. everybody knows what Dragon Ball is now, if they created an original story, that's a harder sell. But when you're a big company, you could just say, you know, Naruto the movie. It doesn't matter if it's about Naruto; it has the name Naruto. Everybody knows what that is. They're like, oh, I know what that is. That's the anime. So. And sometimes studios and, will do that. They will just buy it just to get the name. So, and and that that again is another business decision. I'm yeah. I'm feeling kind of me, I'm feeling me. kind of positive. Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say me honestly. When it comes to our stuff, I would rather if we could be in position to be to produce it ourselves. You know, even if we have to work with a big studio. You know, I would rather be um, the only re- the only thing I could think of right now is Dan O'Bannon. Uh, I don't know if that's the guy who did uh, Alien. Um, right. I would rather be in his position. You know, what he did with Alien was he wrote the story, and then he pitched it to studios. You know, and then but he was in a position to where, when you know they finally picked up his story, he actually him and his buddy, his, him and his best friend, they actually wrote the screenplay. They actually were the ones who hired and brought in crew, like he was the one who hired H.R. Giger to design the alien design or whatever. Um, Ridley Scott was brought in, brought in by the studio, but, you know, Ridley Scott was, you know, he was a good a good director choice for the film. But it's like he was in a position to where he didn't lose his story. It was still his story, you know. It was, he could still have freedom to do whatever he wanted with it. And I would rather be in a position like that to where, even if we didn't have the money to produce it ourselves, we could pitch it to a studio ourselves, you know, because it's always a frightening thing when a studio comes to you and like, yeah, we'll throw you some cash and, you know, for the movie rights or the merchandising rights, because it's like, even with that case, you're still not in position to control the final result. And sometimes that's, I mean, if you're okay with that, if you're like, I don't care what they do with it because, you know, I still got my original novel or my original comic, so whatever they do with the film, I don't care. But if you want to keep control, you know, sometimes even when a studio says, hey, yeah, we'll throw you, you know, a creative credit in there or whatever, you don't want to end up in a position of Lucas, which is interesting because he sold, you know, Star Wars for billions of dollars. And believe it or not, in the contract, he was supposedly supposed to have creative freedom. Supposedly we're supposed to still take his ideas and do the whole Game of Thrones thing. So I don't know if you know, you remember the Game of Thrones TV show where the writer on that, 
he 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 gives he's not writing a screenplay, but he gives he gives HBO okay, this is what's going to happen next in the novel because he's right. still writing some of the story, and they adapt the shows after that. Well, Lucas was supposed to have the same sort of deal with Disney, but as you can see from the films, they just completely ignored him. Like they just completely ignored anything he wanted, and they just made what they wanted to. And the sad thing mm-hmm. there's not not much he can do about it because it's it's technically he's, it's he's signed the contract. He's yeah, signed right, away. right, right. <laughs> so I had but uh, I, was, I had my I had uh, a, a thought. I mean, if if you guys ever decide this, well, first of all, BlackScienceFictionSociety.com is you know uh, Jarvis is putting together uh, a studio to do 3D animated movies, and and as life goes on, hopefully gets bigger, there's more talent that, that's attracted to it. Sometimes you could put your team together and then go looking for funding. If people see that you've got competent people and you've done a trailer that really shows off the best of what you guys can do, you can retain that control. But the fact of the matter is, you know, studios don't think guys like you and I have the least bit sense and, and are capable of, you know, charting the course of something that's going to cost millions. And for them, it's a, it is a business decision but the business right. decision is made based on, well, we can do this better. And uh, let me right. let me go get these three, you know, monkeys who did this script for whatever and have them put it to a script for this. And, you know, a lot of the time, those those three guys who are writing the script don't are not familiar with the, the source material. Yeah. They yeah, just that's, look that's at... They look at yeah, they look at a summary. They look at a... Yeah, they look at a, a you know, a, tra- a trailer... Or, you know, whatever you produce that's little that they could read in about five minutes, they'll look at that, and then from there they're going to make up some story that has nothing to do with your stuff. So I'm thinking, you know, I, I don't see you guys letting go of your stuff that easily, but I think that if you get to the point where you want to, you know, go into another, you know, another media, that if you if you put together your team and it's a team of good people and you have a good direction, I think you know, getting the money to do it. You know, maybe Disney will throw you some money and say, okay, we'll we'll back the first one. We'd like you to use Pixar to help you do the animation because blah, 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 you know, cost effective or, you know, economy of scale or whatever excuse they make. I think the important thing is to retain your intellectual property, to retain control of your intellectual property. See, that's one thing where I said about the, while mentioned about the tortoise and the hare, where it's like when you take the tortoise approach and you kind of go through the long haul of building your story up, building up your your brand and your experience, and your and more importantly your fan base, you know, of people who enjoy your content, it gives you not only leverage but it also shows studios that this is a solid project that can, you know, bring us money because you because you can't really fight big companies because it's like okay. If they're going to throw you a couple millions for your project, obviously they want to see a return on that. They are still a company, you know. Sure. So at the same time, sure. it's like, you know, you got to show them that okay, this is something that 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 not only can be made, but that's something that will benefit us as well as you, you know. And that's how you can get into that position. Like, like I said, with Game of Thrones, that story is so popular, and you know, he's such well known as a writer that. Obviously, when he throws ideas at HBO, they're going to listen to it, you know, especially because they don't want to have to explain to fans why they made these huge changes to this beloved story, you know. But he, he, 
he's in that position to get that. But he that didn't happen overnight, you know. It's like that's something that took time to build up to that point, you know. So well, that's what yeah, yeah, was talking it, about there too. And I was thinking it, about it's like the invest, it's the investment in time to to get your work in, in front of the eyes of the maximum amount of people you can. That's right. that's your investment at the beginning because that's the one that's going to pay off at the end. Because right. if, if there are that many people, and oh, also you got you got big mouth people out there. So like, what if they take your series and all of a sudden they want to make it all white people in the thing? Blah blah blah. That's another. Or, that's you know, another problem you well, can have too. Right? Exactly. Like well, if you don't right, have creative but, freedom. But, that's but something got, that could happen. Got You've right. got leverage because if you make a big enough stink about it, there's a whole lot of people who are going to go, well, why are they whitewashing this material? And then right. if you've watched, you've watched studios in the past three years back down in a number of different um, characters where they've tried to whitewash them. So, so you've, got, right. you've got a little bit of leverage there, and, and over the long haul, you know, hopefully you're going to you're going to be able to retain more control over your intellectual property because there are so many distributors out there. You know, right, ten right. years ago, ten years ago, you had a dozen, a dozen people who would who would do movies and TV shows, and they were they you know they were they had their gatekeepers, they had leverage, but now you've got you've got Amazon, you've got HBO, you've got Stars, you've got Netflix. Mm-hmm. Look what happened with Luke Cage. Luke Cage broke Netflix. Right. Okay, yeah. so what does that tell business? What does that tell money people? And that's why we Maybe try to it, encourage, you know, like especially uh, African-American artists and creators, like, you know, yes, it can sometimes feel like, you know, the it's harder to climb up that ladder, but it's like don't let that discourage you. Just put in the hard work. Like you put in the hard work and, you know, you, you stick with, with – whatever it is that you're doing, your passion, and you build yourself up, it goes a long way in the end. It doesn't seem that way in the beginning because I think about um, recently uh, directors like Ryan Coogler, the guy who's directing the Black Panther movie. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. He, went, he went from being nobody that you would be familiar with to being, you know, now he's directing a huge multi-million dollar, you know, superhero film. In a, in not, in a short amount of time, with, when you think about directors yeah. who, who have to spend almost 20 or 30 years of their life before they get a studio to put them on a big project, you know, because he did Fruitville Station and Creed. And, and but, he, but one thing about him, too, is, like, the studio didn't just have confidence in him because he's black. They know he's a solid director, you know. His past work right. speaks for itself. They've seen the stuff that he did, you know, and it's like, Okay, it's like we know we put him on this film. We have a solid director, it's, it's, and so it's like when you take the time to build yourself up, you know, you you end up instilling that sort of sort of confidence, you know, because they don't want the guy who's like, yeah, I just made a comic, you know, <laughs> and it's like, well, how long have you been doing comics? Oh, well, I just drew this one up a couple months ago, and you know, it's like that doesn't instill a lot of confidence in the studio who's who's willing to throw out a couple a couple hundred million dollars. It's like, it's like, yeah, I don't know about that. But, you know, when you're like, yeah, we've been working on this for such, such years, this is our fan base, you can see all these comics that we have, we have this part of the story, This is, it's like, wow, these people have, it's like, wow, they, they don't have a story, they have a whole brand, you know. Right. And, that, and, makes, you can, that, and still, that makes companies you, happy when they look at you and they're like, 
well, you guys are a brand. <laughs> you know, you're yeah, not just you can a... still have lightning strike. You could still right. have lightning strike because look at look at Jordan Peele. Look at what's her name yep. who directed Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know. So so right. I mean, you have the opportunity, and and because it is an audience driven, it's a dollar driven endeavor. If you do good work and it pays off, then you know that 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 lifts you over so many hurdles. You know, like right. let's say let's say you guys decide to animate your first comic, okay? Let's say you go ahead and it's a five-year project for you, which would have taken somebody else a year. But you know, like like Thomas says, you have to have the money, you have to get it on time, you have to get the right people. But let's say you guys do that, and you all of a sudden you release it, and and you it, let's say it took you five million dollars. And mm-hmm. and you get a return of, let's say a modest return of thirty five million dollars. That's a big damn deal, guys. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. For a five million dollar investment to return itself sixfold is a big deal. And we know that you did not have a studio marketing budget. You know, right. it was your fans who originally drove people to come see what it was, and then it was word of mouth that kept the wave going. So, you know, you're. You're right, Damone, that, that there is, obviously there's the trust factor for people who do blockbusters, but every now and then someone may, managed, manages to make that surprise. And, and I was listening to George yeah. Peel, and he said, somebody said, oh, uh, oh, I think it was Stephen Colbert. Oh, you must be really rolling in it now. And he said, well, no, not so much. And, and, and the reason is obvious. You know, he, he wasn't that well-known. Uh, what he did was he was taking a chance, but then the people really, really got behind it, and a lot of people went and saw it, and it made a lot of money. Well, right. now his next movie, he's going to be able to keep more of the money that comes in as a result because exactly like you said, Damon, he has a track record now. Right. But that right. lightning, that doesn't mean that the lightning can't strike you two guys as co-producers and co-directors for your own work. You know, and that you kind of right. be able to put in the time. Go ahead. Right. And, and that's um, that's funny too because it's like uh, that's what my plans was for like this coming year is to work on a lot of foundation stuff. You know, like uh, uh, like yeah, because I was like, let me get it out because uh, we would say we wanted to you know work on uh, building the fan base, the social media, you know, really getting the work that we already have done because we got a lot of comics now, and right. You know, uh, having that that eleventh book finished, that's going to be a goal. You know that I'm going to get, I'm going to make sure that's taken care of. But even with eleven comics, that's still a lot of comics to have, and that we need people to know that they are out there. Because I've had people, you know, inbox me saying, "Hey, where do you get? Where can I get your comics from? Uh, you can buy them from me directly if you want one right now. You know, just let me know." So, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. um, but it's the thing of you know getting our website finished uh, and putting together our true plans of action. Uh, where are we going next, you know, how we have comics, how we're working on having 3D prints, you know, for sale, uh, because sure. we're not just trying to play with them for ourselves. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then the next phases, you know, are we going to move to, uh, because there's other things that we want to do, like uh, tabletop games, RPGs. Uh, we are talking about doing animation, you know, in which direction do we want to go with it? Um as far as a movie, because that's funny that you said animating the the first comic book, because that was actually what I had said we could do, you know, because I said it's a shorter comic book and 
it's it kind of gets straight to the point and it kind of tells what's all going on right in it without it being extra long you know because you figure most most if you did a if i did a a, a 22 minute animation you know which is pretty much what animes are anyway or animations are without the commercials you know sure. put that out there and run it on you know on our own uh website um youtube or pitch it to like say sites places like netflix uh another one is el ray network because i like that channel because it's michael rodriguez's channel and he calls it the people's network and they allow people to send in you know their short movies indie movies and everything like that and they'll show them so Uh and so stuff like that you know is is directions that i said what we want to sit down and uh work on because like say i, I want to play a video game of it you know because i want to i like tangible stuff you know i like i like to be able to hold it i like to be able to set it up on a table um look at it on the wall and you know the ultimate for me is playing it in a game as well and watching it on just being able to look at it on tv you know or playing it on a computer or on your big screen at home you know just saying okay man these guys really went all out with this that you know they're not just uh playing around in the basement no these they really did it because that's the one thing that Ramon was always cracking up telling me saying people gonna hate us when we go to these conventions you know and I'm like hey my thing is I said you don't want to get me started with this with, with go big or go home because you know I was now, now this is another thing too and this is Ramon's fault this is all his fault so I want this to be known when he okay. was talking about making right. this uh when he was talking about making this uh the mortar boy s1 um, for the table at first, I was thinking he was going to make a three foot tall, maybe, you know, big mech to sit on the table, maybe two feet, just something sure. big, just to stand out and bring it. Then he shows me this picture of the torso, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm like, what the hell? No, I'm not mistaken. He I'm showed the, the gun. gun. I'm the the gun, gun was bigger than his table. The gun was pretty much taller than me. It was taller than like, me. I'm like, and he's like, yeah, it's it's going to be able to hold this. And I'm like, my God, how big is this thing? He's like, it's going to be taller than my ceiling in my apartment. And I'm like, okay, that's more money. I got to fork out for more space, but okay. Right. So, you know, okay, well, we're going to do that. Then shipping, let, then getting it there, it. what are you going to do? You know, carry it there, you know, between you. You got to get it someplace. You got to set it up. I mean, that's uh, it was well, right. And we did it because I was like, okay, yeah. now nah, that means I got to get a rent a U-Haul. <laughs> so, right. mm-hmm. and and we did it, and you know, it was it was a excellent turnout because we had so yeah. many people coming up saying, "Who drew this?" I was like, "I drew it. He built it. This is on yeah. the you can see it on the backdrops and everything." And they're like, people "Oh wow, you know." With it and... I mean, so many families was coming up taking pictures with it and everything, and it was like the biggest. It's like no matter where you were in that room, you could see it. You know, and nobody's banners things. was bigger than ours. Yeah, and that's one of the things that goes back to about having fun. Because, yeah. man, getting that thing built was a monster, you know. Yeah, he was actually <laughs> still building the stand on the parking lot yeah, the right. day of the convention. They held the convention. Like, I don't know, like, we were up that night, had yeah. to go to Home Depot to get stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, man, I'll never forget how tired I was either. I mean, we were both, like, dead tired, like... <laughs> I didn't even think we were going to make it to the next day because <laughs> we were tired. So, nah, so, nah, but, I say that that's DeMoe's fault because DeMoe got yeah, me started on the thing. I, yeah. I told him a long time ago. Yeah. I said, when I get started on something, 
I don't play around <laughs> with. I say, don't start something you can't finish with me because I, when you'd be like, well, we could do this. Okay. As soon as I figure out that we can or figure out a way that it could get funded and it's done, I'm like, well, what's the problem? Why, why, why are we moving so slow with it now? You said yeah. we could do this. <laughs> you know, it's like, don't put your foot in your mouth. You know, put your buddy where your mouth is. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to call you on the carpet because I'm like, let's get it done. And I'm so, a completionist, so it's like whenever I start something, I I gotta finish it. You know, you gotta finish. Even, yeah. even if it uh-huh. take me, even if it take me longer than I thought of, I still just I'll work on it to death until it's until it's finished. You know, so. But uh, yeah, but I mean, looking gotta, back on that experience, it is kind of funny. You know, it, it it like I said, it goes back to that thing about you know sometimes it can be hard just you know doing the hard work to. And put it in a time, but at the same sure. time, when you look back on that time that you spent, that's still an experience that you can reflect on. You know, like when we were building that thing in the parking lot, and people were looking out their window like we were crazy. Like, what are they building a giant mech in the middle of the parking lot? <laughs> 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 but, uh, but when we got it inside the building and put it together, it was like, wow. Okay. People were looking at us crazy when we were just carrying it up because, like, the arms and stuff was like. As tall as me, Huge. you yeah. know. So yeah. people are looking like, "What is this big farm that they carrying?" But uh, but the main thing was we had fun, and you yeah. know, we we told. I was telling people, you know, people that came up. I said, if you're here and you're selling your stuff, if you're sitting at your table looking all mean mugging, you know, you wasting you wasting your own. You're killing your you're killing yourself because I said as much stress as this thing might have got us. I'm going to be laughing my butt off because at this point, I don't care if we sell a comic in here. It's just that we're here and we we having fun and we got it done, you know, and right. any words that I can give anybody of encouragement and tell them, you know, just take pride in your project and have fun with it. Right. You know, you can get it done, you know, if if you and set reasonable goals. If you don't think you can get it done this year, okay, and you really hell bent on it, well, if you think you can get it done, then get it done. But be realistic and don't kill yourself with it. But if going all out is which where you strive best at, then go for it because, you know, in the end, it's up to you on what pace you set yourself. You know, because, right. like, I want to do the animation and I want to have it done in a few years. I don't want to take right. five years. I'm, I'm the kind right. of person that's like, well, let's find out who can get it done for us with the price we need and or who can work with us. Like you said, uh, with Jarvis, just talking with him, I'm like, well, we can we we can always talk with him and find out. Okay, well, if Cause that's I'm an avenue we can take, we yeah, can take. I it. definitely want to do an animation, and even a video game, because I like I have a little experience in that stuff. You know, originally years ago, that's what I went to college for: computer animation and programming. So, uh-huh. you know, but it's like I I've done that enough years that I know how much time and work that it takes. So it's like I don't want to necessarily jump in head first knowing that I don't necessarily have the hours in the day to invest completely in it, you know. Because sure. one one of my main concerns is always stretching myself too thin to where I'm working on a hundred different things but I'm not getting I'm not getting anything done or I'm not pulling putting my myself into stuff that I'm doing. You know, I'm just I'm just at a point to where I'm just trying to meet meet deadlines or get stuff out the door and I'm not really I don't have enough time to even actually enjoy what I'm doing. So I don't want to be in that position. It's like, you know, I want to at least complete a thing before you move on to the next the next step. So, but, yeah, but definitely next year, like Thomas was saying, 
that's one thing we're bad at is, is marketing ourselves. <laughs> and I think most artists are bad at that. Well, no, that's you're not fun at no, you, no, you're not. Stop and well, think, guys. How much, how much did it cost to make that display? Well, when I say marketing, I, I mean like well, no, really, no, no, no. I mean, really? No, you, yes, I know what you're saying. But what <laughs> you don't realize is how many people saw that and will never forget you. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Everybody. Exactly. <laughs> and see, yeah, I, I, will, I will let you in on a secret that I figured out, when did I figure it out? About a year ago. Um, for content creators, it is, it is often better to exploit the, uh, the, 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 the culture of celebrity you know, your own celebrity than sometimes it is to push your own work. Because because if people get to know you as a person, if a lot of people get to know you as a person and they like you, then they will seek out what you do and seek out your products and seek out your creative endeavors. All right? One of, this yeah, is one of the things that I'm exploiting now. I went to Worldcon and I, I, I ran a bunch of these discussions and the Worldcon people thought that I was personable. They liked my sense of humor. And, and very, very soon I'm going to start lobbying to be the master of ceremonies at the Hugo Award. Okay. Oh, wow. now, and and here's, here's my hook. And I hope they're not listening. No, nah, they're not. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Worldcon and a lot of these other big national conventions have now, they understand diversity. And they understand the 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 sociological and financial benefits of diversity. All right, Luke Cage, all of these other Black Panther, all of these 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 vehicles that are non-white themed at at heart are making money. And P, and they they uh, two years ago November they no two maybe almost three years three years ago um, they someone did a study in Hollywood Hollywood and found that movies that had diverse casts made more money. Yeah, uh, I think I've seen okay. that. Yeah, so here's, to that. here's the deal. I'm going to go, you know, my, my pitch to Worldcon is you don't get much more diverse than a half black, half Japanese lesbian trapped in a man's body. Okay? <laughs> so you put me up there. <laughs> you put me up there as the master of ceremonies for the Hugos. And as you guys know, I'm fun. I'm, you know, I'm personable. I can make a joke. You know, I don't, uh, I don't have a problem in front of crowds unless I'm dressed poorly. Um, but, but see, that's the thing. If, if all of a sudden I'm up there and I do well with all of those sci-fi people, what happens for me? Everybody goes, well, who was that Hayashi guy? Who was that lesbian trapped in a man's body? Who was whatever hook that they, no, 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 whatever hook that they hang on me is, is part of that cult of personality. And a lot of creatives don't, they, you know, and, and for various reasons, don't always exploit that. You know, some people are shy. Some people want to do their work and not be bothered with the, the marketing of themselves. You know, they want their work to speak for them. But I know that if, if there's 5,000 people there who find out who I am, out of those 5,000 people, there's going to be a certain number who are going to seek out what it is that I do. So that's kind of my shortcut to doing it because I don't have, I don't have a HarperCollins budget, I don't have a Penguin budget, you know, to advertise my books. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
So, so I have to go about it another way, and that is getting in front of the target audience, you know, so they get talking. And already, um, just a couple months ago, I had my first inquiry for someone who wants to option my Dark Side trilogy for yeah, adaptation yeah. to TV or movie. If that happens, that also helps. That also increases my visibility. But, but there are so many ways to market, and, and the ones that we all know and we all have been pushing are perseverance. You have to get out there. You have to put out a good product. You have to put out a good product consistently. You have to do it basically on time or in a in a in a time frame where people don't um, forget about you. You yeah. have to think about you know increasing your scope by okay for you guys, animation, 3D animated movie, you know, or do you know however you're going to do it. So you have all of these little ways of doing it. You know, and it's more than just, you know, some people say, oh, all you need is uh, social media. Ah, bullshit. Um, sorry for the right. thing, Jarvis, when you listen to this. But it's not, you know, for you to sit around and scream at your friends that you just did something, that can become annoying pretty quick, you know? Yeah. Um, well, so, I always say that if, if you're screaming at your family and friends, then you're you're kind of doing it wrong. <laughs> right. Well, that, that's the thing. But see, until you reach a certain threshold, until you get to the point where you have thousands of people following you in, on social media, whether it be Facebook, Pinterest, um, uh, whatever the other ones are, I don't do very many of them because I'm old. But if you reach a certain threshold, that's what you're doing. You are annoying your family and friends. Right. So, so it's best that you find a way to exploit other ways to get visible, you know, and I think you guys are great because I see I see the potential that you have, and I don't mean potential like, you know, when they're talking about you in fifth grade trying to make you feel bad for, you know, messing up your class. Not that kind of potential. But, the, but you know, but the real potential of of you having a solid product that could become, you know, an animated series, when you look at that, and then now you look at where we once had a dozen content um creators of studios, what have you, where now you have, you know, 30, 40, 50. And mm-hmm. they're not just in the United States of America. There's much more opportunity. And all of those people know now know that content is king. So they yeah. are looking for content. They're looking for you now. So that's yeah. a cool place for you guys to be. Yeah, definitely. Yes, that's true. It's very true. Anyway, we got about a couple minutes. Um, is there anything that you can think of that you really want to tell the people, you know, that that's important to you. I think we cover a lot of stuff. Two hours is a long time, but, you know, I try to make it go as fast as possible. But, I mean, um, I, well, oh, here, let me ask you this question. What has been the biggest disappointment that you guys have faced as content creators? Something that might have been a roadblock that really got in your way and, and, and may have, you know, hurt you or pissed you off or whatever. Can you think of something? Or have you been fairly lucky i'd say for me it's something that was one thing that you have no control over time <laughs> yeah yeah yes. and it's because you know when you're working on a project time flies right yeah and it's like when you're trying to get for a deadline if you're trying to get for a convention or if you're just trying to set a date that's the thing is that it's like crap that the deadline is already here now i gotta change the yeah. deadline but as you long as i'm having fun with it okay that's it yeah yeah. What about you, Damone? Um, I mean, I can agree with that. That's, that's the only thing that, uh, the only main thing or hurdle that I can think of, too, is time. It, it just always seems like there's never enough time in a day. 
So especially when you're just as, as ambitious as we are and got so much that you want to want to do. So And you but, have so many things that do call for your attention. You know, you can't right. always just do just that one thing. Um, right. I, I, one I, of the main things, like I said, I wanted to work on was kind of what you were saying was basically expanding your uh, your exposure to 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 the world, you know, and to to get into your your stuff out there, because nobody mm-hmm. can can buy your stuff or love your stuff or or hate your stuff if they don't even know it exists, you know. So, um, and that's one thing I feel like we haven't fully 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 uh invested enough time and energy into you know which is kind of on purpose because you know we said we wanted to make the product first we wanted to make these comics get them in print you know get these ships you 3d print it you know get get stuff done and now that we are at that point it's like i want to put more time and energy into okay putting this stuff out there you know which I feel sure. we can, we could do better at and do do more with, you know. So, man, all right. Well, you know, I I want to thank you guys for showing up again. It was good talking to you again. It's nice to catch up and see where you all are. I'm glad to hear you're almost done with the first dozen because that's going to be a big <laughs> milestone for you guys. Well, is yeah. it? Oh yeah. Don't you think so? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and uh, we're going to catch up with you further down the road, you know, as long as you don't go bankrupt, get sued to death, or, you know, one of them is talking like some happy face kind of character or something. Um, but I want to thank you guys for showing up tonight. I really, I had a good time. I don't, I, you know, I hope you guys did too, because I do oh, enjoy yeah, talking to you. I enjoyed being on the show. Yeah, yeah so, um, I want to thank everybody who stuck with the show um, live and uh, hung out in the chat room. Thank you for supporting the show. Jarvis appreciates it. He's uh, he's taking care of some something in the studio, actually. So he's not around to close the show tonight. I want to thank the people who picked this up as a podcast. Your support is always welcome. And and I want to thank also, you know, the fact that so many people have invested time and energy in BlackScienceFictionSociety.com and, and keep it going with great Great content, you know, artwork, uh, articles, videos, uh, book excerpts, things like that. And and you guys, have you been putting? I don't. I have to admit, I haven't really noticed. Have you guys been putting up when you're going to be at these various uh, conventions so that people can come by and see you? Yeah, um, you? Put it up on the on the on the events calendar at BSFS. That I didn't do. Okay, right, that's think why about I that because you know. A bunch of people, well, Jarvis and a bunch of people travel up to, to Detroit to go to the, um, you know, various Black H conventions. And like I said, when I get the ankle bracelet off, I'm going to do the same damn thing because, you know, I'm tired of being in the house. So um, do that because if people are looking for something to do on the weekend and there's, you know, one of those uh, conventions or one of the shows up there and you're going to be there, you know, it gives people an opportunity to meet the people who actually created this and maintain it. And and the fact that you guys have fun would make a good visit and a good meeting, okay? Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, Thomas, Simone, thank you very much. I'm going to close out the show in a minute. If you guys could just stay on the line just for a few minutes afterwards, um, just in case there's some, some cool things we want to talk about that nobody who didn't listen to the show is going to hear. That's my bait. Okay. You know, to get <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, and and thank you everybody in in the uh, chat room who listened online. We will uh, we will be back next week with uh, with some with some more brand new people. All right, so good night, everybody. Thanks, guys. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.